I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Y'all better grab your extra large popcorn. We are in the thick of things with great films. I am open and positive. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Let's throw okay. on these boxer gloves. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we do a deep dive on a new release that's just hit theaters or streaming. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Step on into the early 2000s at Oxford, ladies and gentlemen. MGMT is on the radio and Instagram doesn't exist. Barry Keoghan and Jacob Elordi are doing what they do best. The former playing a little weirdo trying to destroy a wealthy family and the latter channeling rich asshole, now with more eyebrow piercing. In Emerald Fennell's sophomore feature, Oliver Quick is the odd man out at Oxford, attending on a scholarship and dressed like a poindexter. But as luck, or manipulation, would have it, the most popular boy in school takes a shining to him. Felix Catton isn't just rich, he's like rich rich, and invites Oliver to spend the summer at Saltburn, his family's estate. We quickly fall down the rabbit hole of debauchery, sickening wealth, and boundary-pushing perversions in this two-hour spectacle. Saltburn asks the question, when you're eating the rich, would you prefer a side of cummy bathwater or period blood? (laughs) Take your pick. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. First impressions, Edison. (laughs) Well, um, yeah. (laughs) It's really interesting because the first two minutes of this movie felt to me like a trailer for this movie. It was like a bunch of close-ups, really tightly clipped mm-hmm. shots with Barry Keoghan's voiceover basically like telling us about the story. And I thought, I bet you if I went on YouTube and watched the trailer for this movie, it would be nowhere near as good as the trailer, which is right now. <laughs> but yeah, it reminded me, funnily enough, of the opening of Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Except this time it's Jacob Elordi, who we just saw in, in Priscilla, of course. But in this one, now he's like sensual and lit all that same hazy glamour. But here we can see, you know, the film at the beginning is setting it up. So we see that his character is a sort of burning sun around which all other characters of the story revolve. I felt really excited watching this opening, to be honest. It felt like we were witnessing the beginning of a new generation of like film creatives and maybe I felt that from Priscilla too even though obviously Mm. Sophia Coppola is not that but like the actors like Barry Keoghan we've been admiring for a long time his work is super wildly varied he's all these challenging roles but he still hasn't like broken through to mainstream acclaim yet and Jacob Elordi I didn't even know who he was really I haven't watched Euphoria and I feel like right now he's a star on this cusp of like exploding and this movie even right from the beginning and then obviously throughout is very much giving talented Mr. Ripley vibes. And it just brought me back to seeing that Mm. film with Jude Law and Matt Damon at the beginning of their career and just feeling like, and like Kate Blanchett. And, you know, it was just this vibe of, man, this is really exciting. We're watching this new generation of talent like blossom. Mm -hmm. And I was just so in for it. Yeah. What did you think, Sinclair? Well, it's interesting you say this new era because it is being described as like the vibe era, Mm -hmm. like cinema as vibes, you know, are movies good or are they just vibes? Yeah. Like that's what this era of filmmaking is. And is there, is it necessary to draw a distinction? Yeah. And like when we look at the films that we've covered this season, vibes. Totally. (laughs) 
the killer. Yeah. Priscilla. Like, they're vibe movies. Mm-hmm. So that that is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, when the film started, I realized that it just, it felt so long since I had watched Promising Young Woman. Mm. That feels like a really long time. It does, actually. Yeah, it does. And I actually forgot how stylish that film was and how Mm -hmm. colorful that film was. And this brought me back to, oh, oh, yeah, she has a great aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And right off the bat, I really liked that this was aesthetically a mix of gothic elements with this like cotton candy pop of color and Mm -hmm. it kind of felt refreshing and a bit exciting and this film is taking this this classic goth style of storytelling and it has this dark academia look to it but we're also seeing this pop of color with it like even the font when the font was so good well, mm-hmm. I looked up the font because it was so good. And it's you the, always the, do that. The Carol Gothic, <laughs> Carol yes. Gothic font. But instead of being a dark gray or black color, it's this pop of red. So right away, I was like, okay, if anything, I know that this is going to be visually stunning. Like I'm yeah. already being brought into this world. Yeah, fair. How about you, Helen? Well, I went and saw this in Ottawa again, and I went to a theater I'd never been to. It wasn't a cute little indie theater this time, though. It was a Cineplex. Um, <laughs> it was so loud in this theater that I, like, almost had to plug my ears. Like, oh the commercials gosh. and the, the trailers. The vibes were too much for you, Helen. Yeah. The trailers <laughs> and the commercials were, like, so, 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 so loud that I was, like, in, almost in pain. <laughs> or am I just getting old? I don't know. It's um, hard to say nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but once the movie came on, it was okay. But there was something going on with the pre-show where I was just like, these levels are out of control. <laughs> but yeah, when the movie started, to be honest, I didn't know much about this movie. I knew it was directed by Emerald Fennell and written and directed. And I knew it was people were finding it controversial. But when it started, I was kind of like, oh, this is like, it felt like Call Me By Your Name a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is this going to be like some sad romantic like longing movie? No. Well, there's definitely <laughs> similarities. Uh-huh. But, uh... <laughs> Different vibes. Different vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't we jump into storytelling? And mm-hmm. I want to just quickly touch on one element of this film. It's mm-hmm. about the structure. Uh, mm. So the way that this film is structured, you know, we know right from the beginning with Oliver's voiceover, Oliver's Barry Keoghan, He's speaking in the past tense, right? It's clear that he's reflecting on his relationship with Felix, it's Jacob Elordi, and that something happened to Felix. We don't know what it is yet, but, you know, we can probably guess. This type of structure and storytelling with one character, like, recounting their past to someone in the present, this is, like, very common frame advice. Mm-hmm, We've seen mm-hmm. this from Interview with a Vampire, Forrest Gump, Usual Suspects. It's a, even... it's a literary tool. Totally, sure. totally. Yeah. Even your fave. Uh, Mm -hmm. Titanic Helen Mm -hmm. and I feel like sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't and for me it really comes down to the spoilers of it all Mm -hmm. and so like right from the beginning of this film you know I pretty much knew that Felix was done for and so Mm -hmm. I spent the film like waiting to see like how or when it would happen and so I don't think the movie needed that I Mm. I don't think that that structure actually served this story yeah they don't Um, say it but 
it does give the impression that it's a why did it. You know who's dying, totally. but why is the question. Mm. And also, though, if it's a why did it, then we should need to explore or understand what Oliver's circumstances are in the present. In the Who present. is he giving this confessional mm-hmm. to? Mm-hmm. So that, like, structurally didn't work for me overall in the film. I don't know why that was there. What did you think about that? Well, I, f- I also feel like it it's a bit forgettable. I forgot about yeah, it immediately. I, yeah, like, I <laughs> honestly didn't even oh. think about it again. It yeah. didn't make much of an impression on me until it comes back later mm-hmm. in so the film. So then you agree. And then I was like, oh, yeah, we do kind of see <laughs> yeah. it. In the, yeah, I don't think it, they needed it, or I, it also didn't have much impact. I, I feel like yeah. you're right to kind of nitpick that mm-hmm. a bit. yeah it didn't need to be there but it also didn't really affect the way i watched it because i forgot immediately after the same yeah it happened wow. i spent the yeah. whole thing i was like ah okay mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. Yeah. um okay so one of the things that you had said sinclair in our group chat when i because i saw it first was like what's the horny factor yeah and when i that's all when I, I hear I, about is how horny this movie is it's called the sluttiest movie of the year Okay, yeah, that's interesting because when I was watching it and when I left, I was like, it wasn't really, it was more perverse and weird than horny to me. Do you agree? Well, I thought it was equally horny and equally perverse. Okay. I feel like it's, it isn't horny so much as it's like kinky. Like that bathtub scene, right? Like very, very... I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite so explicit, to be honest, mm-hmm. if, with Oliver in there slurping and like okay, licking. Okay, I need to say how disgusting I found that. Not because of the cum. I don't care about that. You don't bath drink bath drink. water. Listen, Helen. It tastes people like so. order other people's bath water online. But don't you think that would be really <laughs> bitter and like chemically in your mouth? Like, like would it not because of the soap? Yeah, yes. why would it be chemically the soap? <laughs> well, we don't know he was using soap. Ugh, well, then what kind that... of a bath is it? Yeah, I don't know. I had, didn't think about that. Neither really, that's I. the only thing I thought about was like you can't drink bath water; it's full of soap and like bubble bath. <laughs> I don't know if there were bubbles <laughs> and Epsom salts. <laughs> Epsom salt. We, I don't no think Felix was taking Epsom salt. Okay, we need to we need to get back on track. Okay, okay. We're, we need to get back on track before we get into the bathwater. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, no, but we're on. We can't just like throw the bathwater. The yeah, bath water throwing the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> I found that scene to be like intensely erotic, deeply, mm. deeply gross. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it also is like obsessively it's like sexually like consumed it's like i don't think i've ever seen anything like it and i'm Mm -hmm. I'm sure that everyone in the audience was like squirming with some (laughs) level of discomfort Mm -hmm. but also like there was a bit of like arousal in that it was like i mean yeah there was but my just being very very taken aback by literally drinking bath water that overtook the eroticism for me where i was just like but the soap, though. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think dirt. that it was more to show his, like, complete and utter intoxication. Obsession. Right. And obsession yeah. with this person. Like, that's more how I was watching it. I didn't pay too much attention to the quality of the water. But... <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, I will say it... Now that I look back, it was a little bit soapy. So maybe you do have a reason to be concerned. Yeah. For sure. Um, <laughs> well, thank God. At least we know Felix smells nice. Yes. Bath water aside, 
so yeah i mean it's true the horniness really does penetrate the entire uh story and (laughs) (laughs) so i'm sure we will just keep touching on that throughout uh storytelling because it does continue on on to be (laughs) horny throughout but in terms of storytelling in other non-horny aspects uh (laughs) this is very much a gothic story it has so many elements of of gothic literature and that's my Mm -hmm. favorite genre uh, of literature is gothic Mm -hmm. and i love seeing it done in film and this is very much that these stories they're very moody they have a dark setting they have characters who have very heightened emotions there's madness there's fog there's Mm -hmm. usually a financially well-off family that has a dark family history and there is generally an outsider and the story is being told to us through the eyes of this this outsider they're the Mm -hmm. ones that are experiencing this new world they're bringing us into it and there are also a lot of elements of having an anti-hero and really the one main criteria i find of of gothic storytelling is a large looming house Hmm. And so this has all those qualities, but what's interesting about this is that she has splashed this like gothic canvas with this bright cotton candy color. Mm-hmm. But also she she uses color against this very moody mm. backdrop. And that's mm-hmm. very interesting because what I think she's done here is she has subverted a lot of the stereotypical qualities of of gothic storytelling you know we have this outsider generally with like dark academia and gothic the outsider is pretending to be rich Mm -hmm. Mm. but in this case we find out he's pretending to be poor (laughs) yeah that was kind of cool i like that subversion and the other thing too is we think about the people that live in these big gothic houses and they're generally very aristocratic and you know, dressed very reserved. And in this house, we have this gothic backdrop, but these bohemian people. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of things that I appreciate that she kind of added her own flair to this particular genre, which I liked. Hmm. It totally makes sense. Because if you think about that world of like aristocracy, it's like we're not, you know, we don't live in a gothic era, like, Mm -hmm. but people still live in those houses. And it's... I do think that Emerald Fennell was the right one to tell this story. She's from a very aristocratic family. Her Mm -hmm. father's a jewelry designer. Her mother's an author. For schooling, she went to Marlborough College. This is the same private school as Kate Middleton and Princess Eugenie. Mm -hmm. Then she herself is also an alumna of Oxford. Mm -hmm. So she knows this world. Mm -hmm. And she can take us in to that. That is her, like, just what you described. Like, she knows these big, old, huge piles. These giant aristocratic estates. Mm -hmm. But, like, through her own modern lens it's it's an insider's look but it's funny because she focuses on like the outsider's perspective and Mm -hmm. yet it still feels super authentic Mm -hmm. yeah what was your take on oliver as a character like is he a psychopath (laughs) as an actual character 
he was certainly manipulative. He, mm-hmm. he did whatever he could to manipulate every single person through sex, through whatever it was that they needed. He modified his behavior to, in all of those interactions. He like really learned what made them all tick and what they all needed from like learning about whatever that textile artist was mm-hmm. that the father was obsessed with to all of it. So he's definitely sociopathic, and I guess he does kill them all. So I guess yeah, he's probably <laughs> psychopathic. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Helen, yeah. I definitely. <laughs> I don't think that this is the the tale of you know class disparity. Yeah. About twenty minutes into this film, I was like, look, like if I want to see class disparity put on display and have something that's really socially biting, I'm going to go watch Parasite. You know, like, listen, Mm -hmm. none of us watch White Lotus anymore for the social commentary. Let's be real. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of there. But at the same time, that's not really why we're tuning in. And I think that 20 minutes into this, you realize that that's not what my expectation is from this, really. Mm -hmm. Because, no, I I think there's a big difference between the character of Oliver in terms of his desperation and his rise from mm-hmm. a lower class, which he isn't. He's from a middle class family, which yeah. I think is interesting because it's like saying, what's more, what's the most boring thing? Oh, the middle class. You don't even, <laughs> yeah, you're not true. even from a poor drug addicted yeah. family. You don't even have that story. You don't story even have a to cool tell. story. Yeah. You know, it's almost this boredom with the fact that he is completely average and, and mediocre without mm-hmm. a crazy story to tell, really. Like, who says, who tries to get the most popular kid at school to like them by saying, oh, I'm poor? Somebody oh, who I knows don't. that that's what's going to work. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's definitely a different view of this outsider character than what you see with Emma Stone in The Favorite. Which we've talked about, mm. which this is oh, this totally. is somebody coming in to this aristocratic situation that needs to survive. And they're doing everything, everything they can to survive mm. at that moment in time. Um, very different from right. that kind of character. Well, and it does, I think that that difference, you kind of don't know how to take this movie. <laughs> because, you know, at the end, you're sort of like, everyone was just kind of shitty. Like, yes. they all sucked. And, like, it's nice to kind of see him come out on top because it's fun. But you don't like him at the end, right? Like, he's he's actually probably the worst of all of them. Um, I mean, he's the only one who actually killed them all. So, yeah. 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 I think that what everybody needs to keep in mind when they watch this film, this is an erotic thriller. It's a melodrama. It Mm -hmm. has soap opera qualities to it. Dark comedy. This isn't coming Mm -hmm. into make a huge statement and for sure that's the complaint about the film too at the same time you know this is like the vibes debate you know what what is a stronger choice to have vibes or to have a movie that really says something well it depends on what you need when you go into it you know Mm -hmm. yeah it is interesting to watch this film and wonder if it's like what is it trying to say Mm -hmm. i think it paints a really interesting portrait of the wealthy and it it is interesting i think that that level of wealth is just something that we we just don't understand like you can't be in it unless you get it like earlier on in the film when oliver is just sort of getting into oxford and somebody describes felix as living in a quote great big fuck off castle (laughs) and that particular like descriptor fuck off used in this context it actually reminded me of a profile i read like years ago 
about Jennifer Aniston. I think around the time that she did the movie Cake. And some the story like referred to her as having already hit the level of making fuck off money. Mm. meaning that she now had the freedom to just do whatever she wants without taking finances even remotely into consideration, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that the three of us could probably like stretch our minds to imagine what that might be like, but truly there hasn't been a single day, not one single day or hour or minute in any of our lives where we've actually experienced Mm -hmm. it. And life must just be so different if you're those people, if you're Felix, if your entire existence is being fuck off rich in a fuck off castle. And on top of that, Mm -hmm. being fuck off beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's weird. And I don't, it's similar to the Jennifer Coolidge character, yeah, and White Lotus or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I've ever met a Felix. I've known people who are similarly blessed, but not to that degree, because Mm -hmm. we literally don't actually operate in the same world as those people. But at the same time, I do feel like this isn't showing us anything new. Mm-mm. Like we see this kind of wealth all the time. It's thrown in our faces every single day. That is all we see with celebrities and media and the billionaires and the CEOs and this and blah, 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 blah. This is what we see all the time. So, like, But they all have to fake it and say that they're working, say that they're doing this versus Rosamund Pike's character who... <laughs> Is the complete opposite of that. All of them are just embracing the lethargy that comes with <laughs> obscene wealth. Yes. Uh, what I do think that this film does well is it doesn't ever fully let us know if Oliver is the moth or if he is the spider. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, I remember saying to myself, you know, I don't exactly know who is manipulating who at this point Mm. and that is a really good quality of erotic thrillers i think that Mm. if you can do that well then you can really put a film into that genre you never quite know who is the predator and who is Mm -hmm. the prey um who is seducing who and i think that this did that really well now one thing i do want to say is towards the end i did feel like okay she's going to have to make a choice. Otherwise, this movie has no point. She Mm. is going to have to have him be the Tom Ripley. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously we're spoiling this, but when that time does come and you realize he has manipulated the family as predictable as that is, at the same time, I was just glad that she made a choice and that's what it ended up being. Because if it hadn't, I feel like it would have just ended on a really mediocre ending with no real end goal at least that if he's the villain at the end at least this movie is ending on a point <laughs> because for yeah. a lot How did you of feel it you feel that, like Helen? there's no point the, so as we got towards the end before it's like fully revealed like look he killed everybody and here's how he did it I felt to myself like, oh, he has orchestrated all of this. And then when it like almost like paint by numbers shows it to us, I was kind of like, I don't think I needed to see all of that. Like we could have come to a point where he like, you know, takes her off of life support and you're like, okay, he's a fucking psycho. And we could have deciphered that he also had a hand at all those other murders. Like I didn't necessarily need to see him typing on his laptop, writing gibberish. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, But that's a small gripe. Like that didn't actually bother me that much. It's, and it's, Um, I mean, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I I felt like the film lost all of its faith in the audience at the end. Right. Not the yeah. very very. I'm excluding the final sequence. That's its own whole <laughs> yeah. unique situation. But like, 
like trust us to know what's yeah. happening. It's absurd like I, to have yeah. him explain it all to Rosamund Pike on her deathbed. All this yeah. exposition, complete with flashbacks. I know. Like we did not need it. Yeah, yeah, I but didn't it, need that. It, it, it needed him to be the villain at the end. Yes, sure. I agree hundred percent. Because otherwise, what what was all this for? This film isn't strong enough as any so, sort of social commentary. So, like, what are mm. we doing this for? No, He's I agree hundred percent. We need that. So, it's Sinclair. He does. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. I'm glad that she made that choice, that he's the villain and that he did all of this. I just feel like, uh, okay, cards on the table. I loved this movie. I had no, I, so I much really fucking fun watching yeah. this movie. <laughs> uh, like, really liked it. And I mm-hmm. just feel like, uh let down because mm-hmm. I wish that, mm-hmm. I, I feel like she could have found a better way to communicate that without him literally saying yeah. it out loud before he kills the final character. Like, uh. I do wonder if that was a producer note, if like, or a studio note or something. Like, you must explain it. People aren't going to get it. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, I really enjoyed it too. And I, I, I mean, maybe we can get more into some of the hornier scenes now too, <laughs> talking about those. Um, yes, please. That, okay, so there is a scene where Oliver goes down and meets Venetia in the middle of the night. She's standing outside his window, and he performs oral sex on her, and she has her period, and he has blood all over his face. Yeah. And I have to say how much I actually loved that scene from, yeah. like, a feminist perspective of, like, yeah, fuck that. Show it. Right. You know, <laughs> like, why does period blood have to be so squeamish and disgusting and taboo? Like, it's, I actually kind I love that she put that in there. It's funny because this is the second time I've seen this in the last couple months because have oh, you guys really? watched, have you watched Fair Play yet? No. no. Not yet. So there is that in, in okay. Fair Play in one of the opening okay. scenes, too, where the main character is on her period. So I was like, OK, mm-hmm. this is a this is a thing this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the year of the period. I loved it. <laughs> Though, yeah. like, I also love the scene too where he's like forcing her to eat. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, weirdly sexual, their, like, that master scene. slave. But yeah. so much of the sexual, yeah, the sexuality in this film was oriented around consumption. Mm. Yeah, totally. Which is very much like eat the rich. It's yeah. very much like he wanted to consume all of her, yeah. Felix. Like, it's that. Yeah. He's totally. consuming this family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that. I also appreciated that, like, uh, as much as I really desperately wanted the, the like, mm-hmm. the scene between mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Felix and Oliver, I love that it didn't happen. I yeah. actually think that that, like, because that character of Felix, he is meant to sort of be this dream boy. He's a little out of reach, a little unknowable. It's not, mm-hmm. he's not, he can't be that deep. And I think that that, works for the story it's he'll never actually get it mm. that's the thing no matter mm-hmm. what he wants no matter what oliver wants to do no matter how who he kills or what he tries or how he manipulates there's still that one thing that will right. always be out of reach which is why he's so sobbing fucking the grave at the end it's, it's like it's this desperation <laughs> the most unrequited everything longing that you could possibly possibly have that scene was also insane i i uh, i was really trying to not laugh my ass off in the theater oh i was I laughing like me like bursting out laughing so good. Uh, would disturb everybody else around me who was not laughing um <laughs> but i do love when i watch a movie 
And I can walk away saying, well, I've never seen that done before. Yes. Uh, so I right fun. before that happened, he's like at the grave. I'm like, what's he going to do? Fuck the dirt. And then he did. He fucked uh, yeah. the dirt. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. But I guess initially the way that it was written was he was just supposed to like finger the dirt. <laughs> and then Emerald was like to Barry. She said, like, I think he would unzip, you know, and Barry was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so then they just made it a closed set and. <laughs> Uh, yeah. filmed that scene and he just went for it it's i mean interesting though like what do you think was more valuable to oliver the usurpation of this estate and this wealth and new life or being with felix i think he wanted to consume felix and all that he was i think he wanted okay. to be him he wanted to be with him he wanted to mm devour him he Mm -hmm. wanted all of it Mm -hmm. so i think that it was just i don't think he could ever have what he wanted Mm because it's impossible Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like playing god in a way Mm. you know to to take someone's life like that and have that kind of power over their existence essentially right Mm -hmm. okay well i feel like Mm. this is a natural transition into performances so why Mm -hmm. don't we talk about that and we must start (laughs) with barry keoghan yeah and maybe his final scene of the film. <laughs> I mean, that final scene, I can't. Like, that dance sequence, Fully Naked, mm-hmm. to Murder on the Dance Floor by Sophie Ellis Baxter. I I don't know what else you want from an actor. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> he <laughs> and laid also, it all on the line. Um, okay, very cute. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny is, like, there's that scene where they he takes his underwear off in the field or whatever and everyone's yes. like commenting on the size of his dick and then you get that scene at the end and it it made me think like did she have to like ask him like, <laughs> is this gonna line up with the previous scene <laughs> like was that a conversation i know is this foreshadowing yeah. accurate yeah um, it well, was you know, the magic of filmmaking <laughs> yeah <laughs> true Uh, But no, but for real, like that scene was so fun, so Mm -hmm. bonkers. Look, I think he's one of the best actors just of this generation, full stop. (laughs) I'm so enjoying seeing his career unfold. Very few people possess the sort of unique qualities that he has, where he can be in a minute, like somehow stir your sympathy, like in Banshees of Inishir, for example, but then also be like so sinister and menacing (laughs) and... And like but also always. sexy and like yes. there that was something new in this performance that I haven't seen in the other ones where I was like, oh, he's actually hot. Like he's actually like has that control, especially mm-hmm. with this, all the sex scenes where I was like, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like I would like I would fall for it, too. And have you ever seen a performance where he hasn't committed 150 yeah, percent of himself no. to it? Mm-hmm. And and he disappears. I have no yeah. idea who the fuck Barry Keoghan is outside yeah. of this. It's so He's not funny because I actually feel like he would be nice. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I think so too. Like he'd be like a fun hang. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny because this is the second movie I've seen him where he's terrorizing a family. Yeah, like he exactly. He does that in Killing yeah. of a Sacred Deer. I yes. was like, what is this guy with terrorizing families? Mm-hmm. But I don't know what else this man can do at this mm-hmm. point. Like how can he top this we've seen it yeah. all um, <laughs> but he's still so young and like mm-hmm. he still hasn't really like broken through yet this is what excites me so much about watching his career right now like yeah. we know who he is move people know who he is but like 
the public doesn't necessarily and i think they will like he's going to have a very long very successful hugely prolific Mm -hmm. and interesting career it's hard to Mm -hmm. even compare him to another actor like an older actor at the uh, at their younger stages of their Mm -hmm. career you know he's kind of his own thing Thing. yeah Yeah. i can't even really find the best comparison for him yeah jacob lordy is good although i will say it's such a similar character to like his euphoria character that i'm not necessarily like blown away um interesting but he is you know beautiful So as somebody who has not seen Euphoria, mm-hmm. I've only ever seen him mm-hmm. in Priscilla as Elvis mm-hmm. and the Priscilla promotional tour and then in this. Um, yeah, like this character could have been incredibly flat mm-hmm. in just what's on the page. Mm-hmm. I think that he is a really exciting performer i think he Mm -hmm. has a magnetic presence he's incredibly beautiful yes but there's all kinds of really beautiful people there's something else there and i am really excited to see to see what he does too yeah the performance that i actually felt most excited about i mean aside from barry keoghan because it's incredible but allison oliver playing venetia because i haven't seen her before i thought she was wonderful i think she had like a very varied performance like she plays this snobby like rich princess but then when we get that scene in the bathtub like that was a Mm -hmm. that's a tough thing to play Mm -hmm. that sort of like drunken grief and i thought she was like spot on with that Mm -hmm. and she played francis in the uh conversations with friends adaptation which i love that book by sally rooney but i haven't actually watched it yet so i'm excited Mm -hmm. because that is that's probably my favorite book by Sally Rooney. Mm. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed her and I want to see her in more stuff for sure. She's also good in scenes where she's not even speaking. Like when she's yeah. playing tennis. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, like she fully, she's fully that person even when it's not technically her moment to shine. When the mm-hmm. focus is on other actors, she's still doing her thing really well in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for me though, like... <laughs> Rosamund Pike, yeah, as the mom, <laughs> Elspeth. I I don't even know what to say. She stole every single. I thought she was extraordinary here. Mm-hmm. It may be my favorite performance I've ever seen of her. Like I don't know if she's not nominated for best supporting actress for this. I will have a I'll revolt. <laughs> that line after like Oliver finds out Pamela has died, she do anything oh, for yeah. attention. was just it was just so brilliantly delivered this is the thing is it's like she did not play it up at all it'd be so easy in this role in this character to play it all up and ham it up and make it big and she just threw all of her lines away and that made it so much more impactful yeah she's vile but Mm -hmm. also hilarious and magnetic and like all i was just like this bitch is a like a legend i guarantee you the most like sort of creative intellectual sort of drag queens are ripping these lines right. from the performances <laughs> yeah. for sure yeah i do have one gripe and that is this movie completely underutilizes richard e grant mm. who is the patriarch of this family and mm-hmm. he's such a good actor he's so good he's so funny and i think that they definitely could have come up with a better character for Mm. him in this Mm -hmm. and let him have better moments and better lines and I don't know if he is kind of like subdued in this because they're trying to make this family about the matriarch 
But at the same time, uh, Rosalind Pike is so strong in this mm-hmm. that they didn't really need to downplay his character to make the matriarch of the family this strong of, of mm-hmm. a character. I think that they could have given him a more interesting character. Yeah. They kind of gave him like a personality, like he's like a Connor Roy. Well, you know, I wonder. And I just didn't think it. I, I just he's such a good actor. Like to see someone underutilized mm. like that, who's like kind of a legend, is yeah. Mm-hmm. I wondered while watching it if it if this is a satire of a very particular type of British man that mm-hmm. might be lost on, on us, us maybe. a bit. Maybe like it's very it's like the most ludicrous example of the stiff upper lip of it all. Mm -hmm. But because you do see though, like he is given that one scene, you know, after Felix has died and they draw the curtains and they're sat around the dining room table and it's all like lit with orange and red Mm. where it does break for a moment, that whole facade. And that was really, really intense and uncomfortable and. He's excellent. Obviously, he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. But like, I th- I wondered if that might be something, some sort of evisceration of that type of British mm-hmm. quality that well, we just aren't getting. Yeah, and and maybe like I think, but definitely from like maybe our perspective, it does yeah. feel like un- underwritten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Rosamund yes. Pike's character had way better quotes, way better oh lines. Fuck. Oh yeah, her quotes are insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That is incredible. Like she was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about technical? I I will say one of the things I really loved about this movie was the soundtrack, especially being like a teenager around this time. You know, there's Arcade Fire, Cold War Kids, Block Party. Like it was such a like blast to my like junior high, high school years. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved that. I was in second year university. Yeah. <laughs> The soundtrack was fantastic. Actually, Sinclair and I were talking before we got on this about like we just kept waiting for common people to oh, play. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. And it's people. funny because because then Rosamund Pike has a line about how she says that, oh, everybody thinks that I inspired, you know, common people. Right. But I, th- that girl had a thir- thirst for knowledge. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to yeah. learn anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so good. Yeah. There was a point in this film where. I was like, is this becoming like an architectural digest tour yeah. when he's giving it was gorgeous. Him the tour of the house? Uh, but I Obsessed. definitely can't complain about that. You Once you mm-hmm. get in there, you're like, okay, like I want to see the house. Yeah. The green room, the, yeah. bru- the blue yeah. room, yeah. the Show long gallery. Like it's, you know. Yeah. Um, the costuming in this was really interesting because... Like I was saying before, like usually you would get more of a reserved or aristocratic look mm-hmm. to these people, like classically. But I mm-hmm. did love that the clothes were very bohemian. The only yeah. one that I didn't buy, I didn't buy Jacob Elordi's look because really, he, yeah, he felt too like California rich boy to me. Like he struck me as somebody who had like a juice company and a winery. But that might be you know? like what he what the what they're like trying to aspire yeah. to look like. like but that, that kind of is it. like the bohemian of that yeah. time, right? Yeah. He like just the felt really Cali- He felt and- American to me. Like he felt very his look felt very like California. Yeah, to me. 
I thought that the all visually, I thought that mm-hmm. this was a, like perfect. Tens across the board, it flawless, so mm-hmm. obsessed. The way it was shot, there were mm-hmm. so many beautiful angles and unique yeah. angles. Like when he's having that bathtub scene, and then it like pans over and you see fucking creepy lurking mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Oliver and his eye just kind of lit, and like the shots from outside looking through the windows and. The, sh- the splendor of in the grass of it mm-hmm. all with them laying there like it was so beautiful and the fancy dress party yeah Ugh. so the the midsummer night's dream it was interesting yeah. because um jacob alordi he looked very claire danes in Romeo ah, and yeah Juliet. yeah totally mm. i thought outfit? of that scene too and yeah yeah uh the cinematographer is linus sandgren and he did babylon and oh. uh american hustle so Obviously, okay. excess okay. is something that yeah. yes. he can shoot very well. Yeah, that's cool. I think that is, it completely makes sense. Yeah, I honestly think that this this film is truly great aesthetically. I think that there will be kind of a style over substance argument with this. And yeah. the big divide is really going to be, are you okay with that or you're not? You're, you're either going to sit there and enjoy that or you're you're going to want something more. <laughs> okay well and so where do you land on that what is your last word Sinclair my last word you know this isn't Jane Campion this isn't the power <laughs> of the dog yes you do get the full frontal male nudity that you get in a Jane Campion film but this is not that this is not call me by your name this is not Luca Guadagnino mm. don't expect that <laughs> you know you do get the biceps and the sweat and, and the sexuality but that yeah. is not what this is I think Emerald Fennell is is fun. She has a guilty mm-hmm. pleasure quality to mm-hmm. her films yeah. that you can enjoy. Just let yourself enjoy it. This isn't a masterpiece, yeah. um, but it's an experience, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, do I think this movie's deep? Do I think it's the concept is novel? Like, no. But was I entertained watching this? Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and was it fun to look at? Absolutely. And yeah, Barry Keoghan is, yeah, what else? What else? What else can we see? At this what point? else can we ask of this man? <laughs> I absolutely love this film. I had such a blast watching it. I thought it was exciting. It was fresh and sexy and creepy. I felt really energized, mm-hmm. like witnessing this new generation of talent make their work. Mm. And yeah, I also had a couple of gripes that, that like narrative structure of, storytelling that bothered me and that y'all didn't even notice that's fine um (laughs) and also the sort of ridiculous exposition of the last ending of the film but that wasn't enough to take away for me overall it was such a fun time the performances were really outstanding i i really love this movie this Mm. was fun well, this has been another episode of Talk Movie to Me. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at talkmovietome. Uh, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And our episodes are now available, at least for season seven, on YouTube at Talk Movie to Me Podcast. I'm Helen. I'm Lisa Claire. And I'm Edison. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.